Hello, and welcome to the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm one of the leading experts in online mediation. I have personally been mediating online for over five years now, and I have my own fully online family law mediation and coaching practice. Two years ago, after so many of my colleagues reached out wanting to know how I was doing it, I created the Learn to Mediate Online training program, and to date, I have personally trained thousands of mediators in how to successfully conduct their mediations through an online platform. As a leading figure in the online mediation movement, I am privileged to be on the cutting edge of developments and advances in online practice, and this podcast has been created to share that information with you. So tune in each week to get the inside story on how to mediate online. I invite you to now listen to today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we're going to talk about a very important topic that what you don't know about cybersecurity and privacy can come back to haunt you. Now, I know that's a little allusion to Halloween as we are in the week before Halloween, but it's it's actually a great truth that what you don't know, what you don't take care of, what you don't protect both your personal files as well as your professional files from can come back to haunt you. And as we have all shifted online so rapidly, this is only more true. So my special guest today is attorney Jean Lawler. Jean is one of my colleagues and friends from the Southern California Mediation Association, as well as the American Bar Association Dispute Resolution Section. And she is a longtime 40-year-plus, 40 more than 40 years, um, as an attorney and a mediator. Um, she is uh, well known in civil and commercial litigation circles, especially with respect to insurance policies and the insurance industry. Jean recently was certified as a certified information privacy professional as well, one of very few mediators in the country who hold that special certification. So she's going to help walk us through what we need to know about cybersecurity and privacy uh, so that we don't have the ghosts of our, um, our problems and our errors coming back to haunt us. So, Jean, thank you so much for joining us today so that we can be talking about cybersecurity and privacy. Thanks for adding privacy. Hello. Good, good morning. <laughs> it's well, so morning nice to have time. you. Yeah, exactly. You're in California. I'm actually in Michigan at this moment. So it just turned into afternoon for me. And it's nice and bright and shiny day for you in California. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm happy we're talking about this. It is October as we're taping this and as the show will come out. And October is Cybersecurity Month. Um, many, It seems to be a lot of months. It's I know it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And it's all kinds of months. But Cybersecurity Month, Cybersecurity and Privacy Month. Um, we'll have to tell them to add privacy into the title of the month as well. <laughs> but it's an important topic, especially as we mediators 
and professionals have pivoted online. And in many ways, I think the pivot has happened faster than the protocols for privacy and security. Um, so that is one of the reasons why I think it's so important to talk about it. And you, in fact, thought it was so important that you actually recently became certified as a certified information privacy professional, CIPPUS. Um, and by the way, people, I know that because she posted it in her very imp um, informative LinkedIn um, page. So go follow Jean on LinkedIn because she posts a lot of great information. But what was it that, that made you think that getting this additional certification, um, which, by the way, I think you're one of very few professionals, uh, especially mediators in the country that has it. Um, what, what made you think it was so important to get that? You know, I have been looking at that uh, certification for a number of years now, actually, uh, since it was first started, maybe five, maybe longer than five years ago, but it was about five years ago I first started looking at it when I was still practicing in my law firm before I had had uh, left and started a full-time mediation practice. And the I've always been one for what's coming up on the horizon. You know, what are the issues that are coming up? Where can you see this? And the uh, cyber and the privacy issues have always been fascinating, whether it's from the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, you know, the, uh, like when you, you have got your whole house. Uh, oh, uh, like a smart house? Yeah, you know, all the smart house issues and everything else. I mean, when computers first came out, I read the book um, about cyber. Uh, Dummies for DOS, practically cover to cover. So moving from DOS and being very excited to have a modem that went a little faster when they got to 28 or 56 or, you know, whatever over the years, um, I just always saw the CIPP designation as something that was very valuable. And because I had practiced in this privacy and cyber area, cyber insurance in particular, and then um, defending some professionals who had had issues before, uh, you know, before it became so commonplace, like sending money to the wrong place and wiring money to the wrong place, things like that because of email issues. Um, I just felt like it was an important thing to have as a mediator that uh, because it would give lawyers confidence in hiring me, for one thing, that I know uh, the ins and outs of not just the insurance angle of it, but then, you know, the various privacy laws that are there. So that's a long answer maybe, but that's why I went and did it. And because no, there are very few mediators, lots of lawyers, but very few mediators. I only off the top of my head can think of one other, but I'm sure there are others out there that have it. Well, I, I think it's it's incredibly important. And from both of those perspectives, both as a professional who's practicing in the cyberspace, we need we as professionals need to be aware of the laws of the the problems, the potential issues that are out there, but also as a professional working in that insurance space, because you're getting claims that are around these areas. So you know, you're really coming at it from both directions. Exactly. And in, think back to uh, like employment law, when some of that, you know, some of those kinds of issues first started percolating, or environmental issues, things like that. Um, ADA, 
this is just really the beginning, even, even though it's not the babyhood, if you will, you know, a brand new infant level for uh, privacy and all, it's probably, you know, preschool level maybe. And, and it's just taking off. You've got Europe with their um, their regulations with the GDPR. You've got California now with this, it, well, you know, it's just a mix of initials, actually. But CCPA, California Consumer, uh, California Consumer Privacy Protection Act. I have to go back and look at <laughs> the CCPA. Yeah, I spout the letters, but um, yeah, what are the names? And and then on the ballot, we have more, and we're the first state here in California in the country to, I believe, to have such stringent. Um, privacy protections. It's even in the California Constitution of all things, which right. I hadn't realized until I started studying for all this stuff. But um, yeah. Well, and it, it's important. And I think, well, let's, you know, you and I were talking when we were talking about doing this episode and I'm online all the time. I've been an online professional for years, but I think there are, and, and a lot of us have pivoted there recently, but when you talk about cybersecurity, this this freeze of cybersecurity. Let's let's drill down on that. What it, what are we talking about when it comes to cybersecurity? You know, I would say that again, just in basic layman speech, and forget you know the yeah, the wonderful please. tech guys who use all these languages, you know, in terms that um, we regular folks don't necessarily understand. Um, anyway, I would say you're looking at either a data breach, for example, or a cyber incident. Those are two separate things, and they're very easy concepts to understand. Um, a cyber incident can be something that, um, you know, where, where somebody maybe gets into your computer, but nothing happens. No data is taken. Uh, a data breach is where data is uh, people would say exfiltrated uh, from your <laughs> system, you know, and then maybe now it's published on the internet or whatever, and that's people's privacy, medical records, uh, all sorts of things. You know, ransomware is really big right now, very, very, uh, I mean, it's just amazing how many uh, ransomware attacks there are. You read about them every day, you probably may not even realize uh, what all of it is. But for cybersecurity, how to protect yourself from the bad guys, uh, right. you know, it's a new form of crime. Uh, you know, well, now it's not so new anymore, but it's a form of crime and um, how to protect yourself. And you've got the personal aspect of it and then the business aspect of it. And, um, you know, most of us have probably been the victim of one of those data breaches, Equifax or Target or, you know, whoever. Um, yeah. Yeah, me. one of my yeah, me too. One of my yeah. email addresses, I get notices all the time. It's on the uh, dark web. I go, oh, great, you know. So um, you've got to yeah. do certain things to protect yourself. So Cybersecurity Month, if nothing else, for the regular regular folks who are not IT specialists or or whatever, uh, would be to how to what could happen and how to protect yourself. You know, because it sounds so far-fetched to think, oh, well, I'm going to get hit by ransomware. Yeah, right. You know, I don't have money to pay them millions of dollars. Well, you know, then again, do you have your documents with some managed service provider? Maybe the managed service provider gets hit and they're taking care of all the documents for, you know, all these other businesses as it goes along. And, um, and so then they get your data. What kind of data do you have? Privacy. This is where we get back to privacy. Yeah. Confidentiality. 
Um, you know, do you hold documents in your business sense or, or your personal sense? What documents do you hold that you want to um, keep confidential or are legally required to keep confidential? Uh, you know, or you breach, um, you know, duties and um, et cetera, et cetera, and then have liability exposure because you haven't kept them confidential. So right. that's kind of in a nutshell, I would say what you could say with what the underlying issue is and how do they, how do the bad guys do it? Well, you know, we have all gotten those emails that are stupid emails. It, it's certainly not the send me money. Uh, some of them are, of course, still. In but, Africa. Yeah. yeah so I'm a exactly. prince who can't access my inheritance. I just need $10,000 from you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, but those phishing emails, the business email compromise, it's it's the human element that by and large experts say creates and causes most issues because as humans, we don't think necessarily before we do everything. And then, you know, then it's too late once you click something on, um, clicked on a link or opened something. And that's, that's a problem. Right. Well, and they get smart about it, right? They, they have a way of making it look like it came from someone that you know, um, where they get into somebody else's email and then send out a phishing email to all their contacts. But you think your mom sent it to you. And how bad can something be coming from your mom or your friend? So the in many ways, I think the 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 people with bad intentions are far ahead of those of us who are just kind of toddling along through the cyberspace without really understanding the threats. Um, oh. And I get, uh, yeah, I mean, and they come up with a new, they, we shut down one little avenue, they come up with 10 more to get our information. But as professionals who, the, who are mostly the people listening to this, this podcast, You've pointed out something that I think is critically important for us to understand. Just as we all got ticked off at Target and Equifax when our information got breached and put out there in the world, um, how are, not just to mention ticked off, but when we're holding, you know, I'm a divorce attorney. I have people's tax returns. I have people, I mean, I have their financial data going back for years. I have personal information about their health, about their personal lives, in my notes and in the pleadings and in and, and all that, if that gets breached, oh. that very, very personal information is getting out there. I mean, I, some of the stuff I have in my files. Um, so that's just think about that professionals. Not, we have a very strong duty to keep our clients information confidential. And that's not just putting it in, uh, you know, especially now that everything's a uploaded document, an e-document, so what can people, what can professionals be doing to make sure that they are properly protecting their client data? Right. Well, not to say that this is an exhaustive list of things to do, but first of all, recognize, <laughs> basically <laughs> recognize and figure out what you have and uh, recognize that it is confidential, especially if you're a mediator, you know, it's supposed to be confidential. People send you confidential briefs with lots of attachments. That stuff is intended to be confidential and not to be out there. But And then the, the lawyer-client privilege and things like that in the law firms. Well, uh, so first of all, 
anybody, you need to figure out what you have and where you're keeping it, where you're storing it. And then um, whoever you're storing it with or however, you know, are you putting this, uh, these documents, saving them in Dropbox or Box or uh, OneDrive or, you know, Google, uh, the Google one. Um, And then how safe is that? You are only as safe as your provider. And then if that provider gets breached, then they can get into your stuff as well. So, so basically, um, figure out what you have, make sure you back up regularly your computers, including your systems that are off, you know, that are online systems and save the backup on like a separate hard drive. You know, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. In the beginning, you only had the ability to back up onto a separate hard drive. Well, that is that is something you should definitely do. At least that that keeps your data. That doesn't necessarily protect it in the first place, but it will keep it if if it if you uh, may lose it. I have started going back through all my my matters and any closed matters. I delete all the private personal information. I delete the briefs. I just keep the, um, you know, the confidentiality statements or agreements, whatever they've signed. And then anything that would be a public document and notice if it was a court mediation, uh, the court, you know, filings or something like that, that are pertinent to the the, uh, particular mediation. Um, If you are backing up, then um, get your closed ones off the Internet, you know, off your online system, maybe. Um, uh, or um, put them in some sort of archive where there's some sort of encryption or something. You know, look, talk to your IT guy if you have an IT guy, you know, um, for what you can do there. Uh, you know how your banks will have you do that uh, multi-factor authentication yes. um, where you get something in your of course, it goes to your darn phone. So if somebody had my phone trying to get in, exactly, I think well, they're going to get the number to go in. But in any event, multi-factor authentication is not perfect, of course, but it is very, very good at stopping things that, uh, you know, it's a very good practice to follow. Uh, of course, the obvious, you know, don't be on public Wi-Fi and things like that. But uh, you'd be surprised, you uh, know. Uh, not and, no I wouldn't sadly <laughs> and maybe even in your own home like where we are now in our home offices using a VPN a virtual private network um, is is something that I know my IT guy told me to start doing and just as a way of, of being you know a bit more protective and also even encrypting your email so as it transports back and forth um, and I've done that as well. Um, I have Microsoft, uh, well, I guess it's, yeah, Microsoft 365. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because I've had this conversation with attorneys for years, with mediators for years. What's wrong with attaching somebody's, let's use tax return, to an email and sending it or having your client send you their tax returns attached to an email? What's wrong with that? It's not protected. It's going through, you know, all sorts of places around the world and bouncing back again off a satellite, maybe, and back down. You know, and that's where you have people upload things in a, with a secure uh, setting, uploading it directly onto your secure platform. Right. <laughs> as possible. Yeah, that's a problem. 
It, yeah. it is, but so many professionals don't understand yeah. it. And so I would still say that attaching agreements with private information in those agreements, attaching um, financial documents, attaching medical records, uh, you know, people send things via email every day. I talk to professionals every day who are doing that. So instead of sending things via email, what would you recommend they do? I would recommend that the mediator or the uh, law firm, whoever it is, that they have a platform, and you can do it with Box or Dropbox. There's Dropbox for Business too, mm -hmm. or uh, OneDrive, Microsoft OneDrive is what I use, um, where then they can let people upload directly to that. So it's not going through the whole internet process. Yeah. Right. And it's, yeah. you know, I do that when I um, open a file for clients. I use Dropbox, but um, I, it's, I open a file for each of them. I send them the link to their file and they upload their financial documents directly into it. When I want to send them something to review or the notes from their mediation session or whatever that might be, I upload them to their files and they have instant access right through that file. It's actually easier for them as well. But so many, so many professionals are still attaching things to email and it just makes my, my heart pitter patter with worry. <laughs> I know, well, know. And clean out your email think of all your emails I, I I've got you know thousands and thousands of emails I'm in the process of cleaning out the you know the closed matters saving what I need and then getting rid of them uh, after you can, whatever your retention uh, period right. might be. Seven years, 10 years. But, you know, you said something earlier and it raised a question in my mind. So you're going through in your <coughs> stored files and you're deleting things other than the confidentiality agreement, the agreement to mediate, you know, um, uh, public documents. How do you properly delete from a cyber document? Like how do you, is there a proper way or is it just clicking, you know, right click, hit delete and it goes into the trash can on our computer? Is there a proper way to delete things? Well, you know, I'm not a tech IT guy. So. No, no, I'm just wondering like, does it just, where does it go when we delete it, if you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I delete it, they say it's gone, you know. Um, it, it must go into some virtual trash can. Um, right. But you know you how you can access uh, your documents not by just by going to Dropbox, but also on your computer. You know, mm -hmm. and some of them are able to be saved then for easy access on your computer. You need to make sure that they're gone from both places. Oh, so you can't just delete from Dropbox. You have to delete from uh, from the ones that are saved directly on your computer. I hadn't thought of that. I'm Sure that you can delete from the Dropbox, but then you need to sync and synchronize the files. Yeah. If you're not synchronizing them, what you have on your computer stays on your computer, uh, you know, until you either delete that or synchronize. Yeah. Right. You know, and another thing you mentioned, um, and I think this is one of the other places where we start to get into trouble. I was just talking with Mark Lassiter, one of um, one of our mediation and arbitration colleagues, and he uses um, a password. He uses LastPass 
mm-hmm. which is a password holder, but it also, he was showing it to me, it creates these ridiculously long, nonsensical passwords for things, and he uses it for every single, he has a different password, it's 18 digits long for every single thing that he signs into, and all he has to remember is the one password that gets him into his last pass. Do you recommend using something like that for your passwords? Something like that would be fantastic to use. I personally have started it, then stopped it, then started it and stopped it, just because it just seemed too overwhelming to me. But listening to you say it only has to remember the one password, that would probably, I guess I'll go back and try it again. But you're not supposed to have the same password anyway for, you know, all these, for multiple things. And uh, yeah. And I do. I mean, I've done that in the past. I just downloaded LastPass. And so when you go and sign up on a website, it asks you, this little thing drops down from the corner and it says, do you want LastPass to remember this? And you can say yes, but you can, then it will say, do you want us to create a new password? And you can have it be anything from six digits all the way up to the 18. You can have it be, it's never a word, but it can be digits and numbers and capitals and lowercase. And it does come out with these, I mean, you'd never in your life. It's like a car VIN, right? A vehicle identification number. You never remember it. But I've started doing that because, you know, if you think about it and you've been using, you know, fluffy one, two, three, because it's the name of your favorite cat and one, two, three is easy to remember. And that's what you used for your Chase Bank and your financial account and your this and your that and getting into your client files. Guess what? You only need one breach for people mm-hmm. to get out there and get into all your documents, right. all of your your files. Right. The bad actors, you know, they, they're out there day and night working on all this stuff. And, you know, you get on the dark web for something or they think of the machines that are just running. They're running constantly trying to break uh, passwords and things, you know, uh, not not the good guys, the bad guy. I mean, right. you just- some too, but the bad guys definitely have these, you know, these um, codes and, you know, their computers running constantly to try and see what they can break into. And don't be, don't think that it's only big, big companies that are getting breached. It's small companies, professional companies, uh, lawyers, uh, healthcare, of course, is a, is huge education, sure. too. but, um, you know, small businesses, medium and small businesses are easy targets. And while they may not get millions and millions of dollars for the ransomware for them, because they may not have it, uh, they're certainly, uh, you know, okay. Like if, if there's an attack and some Trojan or whatever gets inside of your computer system, then they look around and they look at your documents and see what you have. Um, and then maybe, then maybe later is when the ransomware hit comes, but they've already pulled out documents they want. And now they're posting them on the internet, whereas they didn't before, even if you pay the ransom, you're not sure that you're going to get your documents back. So again, you know, or aside from getting them back, you could still have problems with those documents being posted on the internet and their private people's private stuff, you know, private documents. 
Well, I just read a case. I think it was in the ABA Journal recently, and it was a small law firm. It was not. It was a law firm with. I don't even think it was even ten attorneys, um, but some sort of malware uh, got into their their system, froze all their files. They could not access anything on their computers at all, um, and I think it was like a they wanted a hundred and fifty thousand dollars by the end of the day, and they would release it, and they paid it. And then they found that they had copied documents and taken information and, and they started hitting the client accounts, um, the, the accounts of clients um, and things like that. And so the, to your point, um, it's not just Chase Bank, Target and, no. you know, the Home Depot, I think, is another one that got hit. Um, these are though. Yes, they're hitting those, but they are also hitting us. They're hitting yeah. because you hit 10 of us and get a hundred, you know, whatever they can get out of those. It's, it's accumulation. They're just going as for as many as they can get. Right. And if you do get hit, it'll put you down for it'll probably at least a couple of weeks, give or take, how, depending on how well you've backed up or, you know, uh, what they, how, well, maybe how fast you were able to stop it, you know, and the like. But you're speaking of a small law firm. There is a firm, I think it's in the South, that is being sued by its uh, one of its clients. They did defense work for insurance carriers, and I believe it's an insurance company that's suing them because of uh, basically allowing their system to be infiltrated uh, by hackers. And now, if you buy, you should buy here. Another business should buy. The business should buy cyber insurance. Yes, uh, that is coming into real maturation now. And there, all these policies are different. And I know that's true for any insurance policy. But what the companies are offering are very different things. And your cyber policy can literally be a lifesaver, a business saver, a business lifesaver, uh, if you have it, because they have. Uh, professionals, lawyers, uh, IT people, investigators, forensic folks who can come in and immediately like shut things down, figure out what what's gone on and then how to how to get things taken care of, you know, and um, and be your partner, essentially. Yeah. Hope on that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I noticed in the past couple of years as I've gotten my liability insurance renewal, my professional, it comes now with a rider where I can opt into cyber coverage, different types of, of coverage. And frankly, I checked every box and got the max of what I could get because of this. And I think it's a case of I would rather have as much coverage as I can over something like this that I think is only going to become a bigger problem for us as professionals. And my renewal was before COVID, my last renewal. I'll have a new one coming up shortly. Um, but even then, um, I think it was a huge issue and something we all needed to be aware of. But again, as the world has shifted online, what we're doing here is only creating more opportunities for the bad guys right. um, as we go online. And because so many people shifted abruptly, and we're so in the moment of get online, get my practice up and running, make sure things have become e-documents and, and all that, that not everybody had the time to also learn about cybersecurity and privacy. Right. Um, and it's hard to back up 
with that as well. So if you haven't been, you know, you can institute new policies going forward, but you also have to try to protect the data that you've already brought in and have on your servers or on your computers or in your cloud um, or in your storage. Uh, it's different than the days where we were walking around with those paper files. I remember when I, we closed my la- my last law firm, um, my two partners had been in practice for uh, over 50 years. And I swear to God, they'd never thrown out a single piece of paper. We had a basement storage in our building that was full of 50 years of files. And just properly and and correctly destroying all of that, I don't even want to think about what that cost us to go through that. Um, But now it's even more. Of, of an issue because it actually exists. I love that you point out that it exists. It might exist in your cloud. It might exist on your hard drive. You might have downloaded a document onto your phone. You, I, I mean, you can have this information because we walk around with these little mini computers in our hands all the time. It could yeah. be on your Apple Watch. I mean, you have to be thinking at all times of cybersecurity and privacy. So um, any last tips um, that are quick and easy or or that a professional can institute to try to get themselves started, uh, you know, maintaining their cybersecurity and privacy? Uh, Number one, I would say would be don't feel overwhelmed. You know, you just need to. To everyone who's feeling overwhelmed right now. Yeah. Exactly. To borrow from Nike, just do it, you know, and start where you are to move forward. You can deal with the past, you know, like you dealt with 50 years worth of uh, legal files. But um, uh, even if you're a sole practitioner or a mediator with a sole practice, just look at some basics, you know, look, look at uh, making sure that you have a secure, secure network that you're working off of. Um, don't store things, don't keep things that you don't need. Be very cognizant of privacy and people's documents and then the password thing, using LastPass or one of those companies like that. I mean, that that is a brilliant thing to do. I probably will go back and try it again now, but uh, it's a little easier (laughs) when I first started. And I have LastPass, I have that app, but, you know, it's just too overwhelming but that and and look into getting cyber insurance along with your you know insurance or whatever else it is um and you know take care of your passwords and things like just things like that just good business sense um and backup 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 and include online backups you gotta you have to back up it should be a brand new yeah little yeah little hard drive now you know less than a hundred dollars well about a hundred dollars maybe for you know a huge i mean a very small little thing i think they're terabytes now these days terabytes. right so yeah well yeah something yeah, like no. here this is this is what it looks like well, yeah. So if anyone who, it looks like a cell phone size almost yeah. for anyone who's, who's listening. Well, yeah. Dean, thank you so much for joining us and, and getting us started in cybersecurity. But I think your, your key point is, you know, awareness is everything. Be aware and, and, you know, be, start from where you are. Don't let it overwhelm you. Take it step by step. There's a lot of information on the internet. I know the ABA section of dispute resolution, we have a lot of information on the website. Um, There are many, many resources. Um, And Jean, how can people get in touch with you? Well, thank you. Could I add one more thing? You know, the theme theme for this month 
uh, with the Cybersecurity Month that whoever is the one that puts it all out, uh, is if you connect it, protect it. And so, you know, in a nutshell, that really does say it all, whether it's your work or your business or whatever, yeah. Um, how people can connect, um, contact me? Well, I'm happy to w talk to anybody anytime about anything, uh, but uh, my website is Lawler, uh, ADR, no, just LawlerADR.com, L-A-W-L-E-R-A-D-R.com. Uh, and uh, my contact information, my office number and all that is there. I'm on LinkedIn. And um, I, I look forward to talking to whoever would like to give me a call or to reach out. Thank you. Oh. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I, I love being able to, you know, raise the level of awareness for our professionals and for our personal lives. That, that target, I will say, when I, when I got hit in that target breach, I apparently bought three televisions in Brooklyn, New York, in the space of five minutes. So, um <laughs> I, you didn't even get to use them, darn it. I didn't even, yes, there wasn't a, yeah. So thankfully I caught it. It was a long story, but you know, this is something that we've all gotten caught up in and it's just going to continue and it's going to evolve. So do we have to do our best to stay on top of it? So Jean, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you, Susan. It was great. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, and if you liked this episode, please give me a five-star rating and tell me what you did like in a review. Join me each Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. to hear another episode, and be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss one. Send me your questions and comments at susan at learntomediateonline.com. And you can find out more about my trainings and programs at learntomediateonline.com. I'll see you next week.